Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. I'm Ryan. If you're your first-time guest, I'm the, the lead pastor. No, the real pastor will not be back next week. I am the real pastor. Um, it's going to be okay. I... I think it's it's kind of funny, and I'm going to tell a youth pastor joke. Is that okay? Like, no, you can't do that. Don't do that. You're going to embarrass us, Ryan. Don't worry. I embarrass Amy all the time. Um, I'm going to tell a youth pastor joke. I, 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 I was thinking about whether I should, but le- let's loosen up. Let's, let's not be so churchy today. But I was thinking about how in, in 2019... Whenever you felt this rumbling in your stomach and you know you had to, in the, in the words of the Old Testament, break wind, um, you coughed. You coughed to cover up a breaking of the wind. You know what I'm saying? But in 2020, it's the other way around. Because <laughs> everyone's judging you if you cough. Like, you cough and everyone's like, Oh my goodness, they should have covered their mouth. Oh, they need to go get tested. Like, no, I just swallowed water going down the wrong pipe. So, did he really just say that joke? I did. Like I said, the real pastor will be back next week. Um, No, we're we're, we're continuing in a mini-series called God in a Box. And this week, we're actually looking at God out of the box. Because last week we talked about how God put himself in the Ark of the Covenant, the box of God, so to speak. And he put himself there for roughly, approximately 861 years. And he did that so he could be near his people. He said, I will be their God. I will dwell among them. They will be my people and I will be their God. And, And he did that so he could provide for them, so he could guide them. And that hasn't changed. I honestly, as I was preparing this message, I honestly thought about leaving my points the same from last week because that still hasn't changed. God brought himself out of the box to still be near to us, to still guide us, and to still provide for us. But God did something. He, he started busting out this box. And, and I think it's interesting that we're, 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 we're wrapping up this series today and we're launching into a new series next week um, called Sweet Dreams. And you're going to want to be here for that. I, I don't promote series, but I'm really excited for this. I'm really excited for, for what God's going to birth in us. Or he's going to, to bring back to us. There are things, there are dreams that, that you have, okay, that, that you've thought are long gone. But before we can get to that, we've got to understand why God took himself out of the box. And he did that. He took himself out of the box and put himself into a baby, into a manger. And we're, next month, we're going to celebrate the greatest sacrifice the world has seen to that point, God becoming man, only to be trumped 33 years later by God dying and raising again. But he stepped into humanity. That's how he took himself out of the box. He put his presence. Because what did the Ark of the Covenant, if you recall last week, the Ark of the Covenant, the box of God where they worshiped, represented the presence of God on earth, if you recall. 
And that's where God sent his presence into this thing called the tabernacle or to the temple. And there was a holy place, and it was a bigger room, and there was a smaller room called the most holy place. And that's where the Ark of the Covenant dwelt, and the presence of God dwelt on that. And it was so holy that, that if people would touch it, there was a time where they were trying to transport it wrongly, and it started to slip off a, of a cart. And one of King David's men who was trying to do God a favor, he reached up and, and put his hand on the ark to keep it from slipping, and he fell dead. Because the presence of God is not something to be toiled with. God, God set rules in place. But then God stepped into humanity for approximately 33 years through Jesus Christ. He was born of a virgin. He, he experienced everything you experienced like, I want us to get this. Sometimes we could gloss over these statements. Emmanuel, God with us. And, and, and think about all the, the, the Christmassy stuff. And we, we think about that. But we can, we can forget that Jesus, for the first time in his life, he needed, God needed. He needed to be warm. He needed to eat. He needed his diaper changed. He needed God knows what it feels like to need. God knows what it feels like to hurt. God knows exactly. In fact, Hebrews tells us we have a high priest that is able to that associate with us, to empathize with us, to sympathize with us on every level. He knows what it feels like to be tempted just as you are. He knows what it feels like to need just like you. He knows what it feels like to hurt just like you. He needed and then he died. And we just sang, and then he rose. And God did something in that process that took himself out of the box. He literally took his presence out of the Ark of the Covenant, put his presence in Christ, and then Jesus made the statement. He said, it's good that I go so that I will ask the Father to send the Holy Spirit. And when he did that, and he rose again, and the Holy Spirit fell upon the church, something happened. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and 2 Corinthians chapter 6, he says that, don't you know, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God took his presence, the presence of God that dwelt with his people in the Ark of the Covenant, that was a cloud by day and a fire by night, that all that consuming power, that, that, that power of God that split the Red Sea, the power of God that raised the dead, it's in his people. Christ is in us. We are now the temple. That's why God doesn't get so caught up on buildings anymore. He doesn't really care about them. Quite frankly, he literally died and rose again to get himself out of a building. And I think it's ironic how the, how the enemy has fought to keep the church in a building. God's like, no, 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 be the church. So today, I, I, I want to I give us one thought. One thought, and we're going to divvy it up. The thought I'm going to give you is why did God break open his box? Why did God break open his box? I'm going to be reading out of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 7 through 8. 
And I had a really hard time picking scripture because, quite frankly, the whole New Testament is about this. It's about God stepping out of the box and him dwelling, not just with his people, but in his people. I mean, just to name a few, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 12 through 20, Paul, Paul is addressing sexual immorality in the church, but he's, he's, he's asking a few questions. He's like, because God is in you, how can you do this any longer? He says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God brought you, bought you with a high price. Think about that price for a moment. God bankrupt heaven to pay for your salvation. That's a pretty high price. So you must honor your God with your body. So, and then, and then the, in 2 Corinthians, he repeats himself. He said that, and the union, and what union can there be between God's temple and idols? He's referring, for we are the temple of the living God. We, you and me, the presence of God is in us. God took himself out of the Ark of the Covenant and put himself in into the church of the living God, the individuals, not just this building, but I'm talking about you and me. And he quotes, he says, I will live in them and I will walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. And then Paul turns around in Romans chapter 8 and he gives us this beautiful nugget of the same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in us. And he's talking about, and he's, he's really making a case through the book of Romans and Galatians why we don't need to go back to our old way of thinking, of earning, of trying to gain righteousness on our own behalf. He said, you are dead to that lifestyle. You don't have to do anything. Jesus did it all for you. Quit trying to make yourself look good before God and just rest in Jesus and that he is enough for you. And he's saying, and, and, and he precurses this scripture. He's saying, just like Christ lived and died, when you accepted Christ, you died with Christ and the same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in you. God raised you to life in Christ when you accepted Christ. So God broke open the box of the covenant and then we're going to be reading today, 2 Corinthians 3, 7 through 18. It says, the old way with laws etched in stone. This is, he, Paul is straight referring to the mitzvah, the 613 laws that they, they had to follow in order to, to keep with God. No one ever did it except Jesus. And, and when they did do it, they did it out of self-righteousness, which is pride. So once again, they broke the law because God's not a big fan of pride. The old way with laws etched in stone led to death. Though it began with, though it began with such glory that the people of Israel could not bear to look at Moses' face. So what happened? When Moses went up and got the law, he went up on Mount Sinai. He spent time in the presence of God. I want you to get this. And God hid Moses. Like, Moses like, I want to see you, God. And God's like, you can't. 
you will die if you saw all of my glory. He said, I'll tell you what, you'll, what you can do is I'm going to pass by. I'm going to put my hand over you while you're in this little nook of a rock. So no, Moses is like a little nook of a rock. God shields him. He passes by. and he, Moses didn't see God. He just saw the glory of God. And it actually made Moses glow, like literally glow, to the point where people didn't want to look at him. They're like, Moses, you need to put a veil over your face. And then God gave Moses the law at that point on Mount Sinai. And the law is good. Like, like sometimes we could think about the law. The law is actually really good. God didn't give Moses something that's bad, and it kind of seems bad because the law brings death. And the reason why the law brings death... Uh, Paul, Paul hits on this too. He says, the law is good because if it wasn't for the law, I wouldn't know what sin was. And he uses envy. How was I to know what envy was if the law didn't tell me envy was bad? But the law tells me envy is bad. So he said, as soon as I learned that envy is bad, he just used envy. He said, suddenly the, my flesh started working. The enemy started attacking. And he tried to make me envious of everything. Because it's kind of like telling a kid, hey, don't look at the sun. They're like, no. You know, like, as soon as you're told that you're not allowed to do something, and then you do it, that's what you do. And, and that's, what, what, that's what the law does. It's good. Everything in the law is good. It says don't commit sexual immorality. Suddenly, like, I wouldn't want, whoa, she doesn't look that bad. You know, like, wait, 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 wait. No, you know what I'm saying? That's what the law does, though. Everything in the law is good. And the reason why Paul used envy, I think, is something that no one else can see. Paul used envy because only you and God can know that. And God sees everything. But here, he says the, the law brought glory. For his face shone with the glory of God because he was in the presence of God. Even though the brightness was already fading... Shouldn't we expect far greater glory under the new way now that the Holy Spirit is giving life? So the very presence that wrote the stones for Moses lives in us, and it doesn't fade. Moses, like his veil, the glory that shined on his face eventually faded away to where he didn't need it. But we have God living in us. That glory does not fade. I think sometimes we try to hide it, and I think that's why Jesus told these stories. Don't hide your light under a bushel. He, 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 he hits on this. So, if the old way which has been replaced was glorious, how much more glorious is the new way? This, this new way of, of believing in Jesus, this new way of just, God, I believe that you're the Son of God, Jesus. Forgive me of my sins, putting our faith in him for our salvation, not on our action, not on anything we can do to get to God, which remains forever. Keep going. Since this new way gives us such confidence, we can be very bold. We are not like Moses who put a veil over his face so that the people of Israel would not see the glory, even though it was destined to fade away. But the people's minds were hardened. And to this day, whenever the old covenant is being read, the same veil covers minds so they cannot understand the truth. And that same thing hits us today. 
It's called religion. It's called legalism. And we have to battle that because when we start reading stuff, when we start thinking about stuff, like it's a natural inclination. When someone gives you something, you're like, what do I owe you for? What can I do to repay you? But that's the beautiful part about this free gift. The, uh, Paul says in Romans 6.23, but the free gift of God is eternal life. It's free. Jesus paid everything. There's nothing you can do to change that. But everything in us wants to jump on board and try to work for it. And that's called legalism. Like, we don't call it the law anymore, but that's essentially what we're doing. And that's, that's what we hear. Well, I need to go to church. Uh, do I want you here? Absolutely, I want you here. I want every one of these seats filled. Do, but, but do we need? I, 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 I think there is a case to be made for just gathering and living in community. But does that make you righteous before God? Heck no, techno. Does reading your Bible make you righteous before God? No, but it helps. It doesn't. But it helps you understand his heart and how, and it transforms you. When, when you look into the perfect reflection of God's grace, it transforms us like, wow, that's how much God loves me. What? And it's not that we are work for our salvation, but when we understand how much God loves us, this God outside the box loves us. Then we want to do something, not because we have to do something. And this veil can be removed only by believing in Christ. Yes, even today, when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with that veil, and they do not understand. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I misquoted that scripture my entire teenage years when I was addicted to porn. I get so mad at God. God, why am I not free? But that's not what it says. It says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But it's talking about freedom from earning our salvation. Some of us are caught in this religious loop. I got to do, 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 do. And maybe God will love me more. He's not going to love you anymore. He can't. There's nothing we can do to make God love us more. There's nothing we can do to make God love us less. It's all in Jesus. And yeah, come on. That statement alone should have fired you up. Let's give God some praise. That he can't love us any more or less. For the Lord is spirit, and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. He sets us free from this desire to earn. So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. Man, it is a, it is a hard life when you try to earn something that's given to you. And you're going to get bitter, and you're going to walk away from God because you're never going to feel like you can measure up. And the Lord, who is a spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. God changes us. He works in us. 
So why did God break open the box? I'm going to give you just a few thoughts about this. The first, obviously, he broke open the box to set us free from a need to earn. We can't do it. The sacrifice has been made for us. It's all in Jesus. But the three whys of God's open box. The first I want to say is to live in us, not near us. So last week we talked about how God dwelt in the box to be near his people. He does want to be near his people. And quite frankly, he is near to you. There's not a pit that you can go in that you're not near to God. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. You can't escape him. But God doesn't just want to live near you. Like he, ha- he was confined to a spot in the Old Testament. Now it's available for him to live in us. You can't get much closer than that. God wants to live in us. And I, I think that sometimes we, we, we can lose focus on that when we, when we look at the Christmas story and God, God with us, but it's so much more. It's so much more. Ephesians 3 tells us that the, I went to a wrong scripture. It's Romans chapter 8, and I already referenced it. But the same power that rose Christ from the dead lives in us. And Paul reiterates over and over and over throughout the scripture that God lives in us. So I think that sometimes we can forget that God is in us. And when we forget that God's in us, we completely forget the benefits of having God in us. Because if last week I talked about how the, the, a little bit about how the priest had to approach the, the tabernacle, how the preach, priest had to go into the Holy Holies. They had to make a sacrifice for their own sin before they could make a sacrifice for the sins of the nation. And then they had to bring it to the ark. And if they walked into the presence of the ark, they could fall dead if there was sin in their life that they did not confess before God. But now, because all of our sin was paid for by Christ, and I love this, that Paul says that, that God made him who knew no sin to become sin, that in Christ we might become the righteousness of God. So that righteousness that, that was the, that the, the lambs of the Old Testament that bought Christ bought for us, and through Christ, we are the righteousness of God. So when Christ is in us, we can have a boldness. We can come boldly before God. We don't have to be timid. The priest, it's said that the priest would wear bells around their ankles and have a rope tied to them. So if they walked into the Holy of Holies and they dropped dead and the people didn't hear the bells clinging all around, like, okay, as long as the bells are clinging, we know that that priest is walking around doing their duties and and they're not dead. But if the bell stopped, that priest is gone. Let's pull him on out and get a new one. Um, but we don't have to walk timidly before God because Christ walked boldly to the cross. We can walk to God boldly because God is in us. And when we understand that what that affords us, we don't have to come before God timid in our prayers. We can pray bold prayers 
proud prayers because we have a God that loves us living in us. And when you think about what the presence of God affords you, Psalm tells us in the presence of God there is fullness of joy. But we have Christians all around on depression medicine. And then there might be a chemical imbalance. I'm not saying anything like that. But are we, are we experiencing the joy of the Lord? Because the very presence of God that lives, that, 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 that raised Christ from the dead, the Holy Spirit, Jesus himself, he lives in you. And where the presence of God is, there's fullness of joy. I'm not saying that you're happy-go-lucky all the time. That's not joy. But I am saying that when you have a mindset of joy, you can look at every situation saying, my God's bigger. My God's stronger. I don't know what this season's going to afford. I don't know what the rest of 2020 is going to be. But I do know that my God's in charge and I can have joy. I'm not going to be rocked. I'm not going to be shocked. I'm not going to be thrown off guard. Because I can have joy in God. Does that mean that depression won't come knocking at my door? No. Does that mean that I won't have to battle with anxiety? No. But I, in all that, I can know that my God is with me, that my God is in me, and I can have joy that he hasn't abandoned me. Jesus did not come and live and die and live again to put his spirit in a building. Jesus came, lived, died, and lived again to get his spirit out of a building, out of a box, and to put it in us. And I truly believe that it's time for the church, not just our church, the church in general, to walk like the spirit of the living God is in us. God is in us. He's not just with us. I'm not saying you're God. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. God is in you. The second thought I want to give you of why God broke open the box. God broke open the box to empower us. He's no longer in this thing. He broke it open. He's pouring himself out. He, he doesn't want anything holding him back. He wants to not only be in you, because sometimes we could get caught up on God's with me, 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 me. But God empowers you for more than you. He empowers me. And guys, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm stepping on my own toes. So like, I should have put a still toe warning. But this is something we can't, we can't go another year the same when when we have God available wanting to do exceedingly abundantly and above anything we ask think or imagine we got to push ourselves in faith knowing that God's with us and he's going before us and that he wants to grow his kingdom more than we want to see his church grow God did not empower his church to be anemic He didn't empower his church to pray sissy prayers. He didn't empower, he didn't pour out his spirit and power for us to walk around like we're victims. 
I want to see every believer walk in all the authority and power that God has for them. And that's why I'm saying this. We've got to. We've got to. There's too many people that need the God of the Bible, that need salvation through Jesus Christ. And when we just think about ourselves, we don't see them. And God empowers us to see them. He broke open the box. He removed his power, his presence from the Old Testament. He fulfilled all 613 laws of the Old Testament to put God in his people so that we can literally be a walking temple of the power of God so that we can boldly come before him so that we can walk in power to pray big prayers, to believe God for big things. I'm not saying that we don't come before God with little tiny prayers. God wants us to pray about everything. He does. He, you know, my daughter, my daughter will come before me, and she's like, Daddy, I need you to pray for me. All right, well, uh, yeah, let's pray. She's like, what do, I need, what, what, what do I need to pray for? And she's like, Daddy, like, my, my toe hurts. I mean, does it hurt right now? No, but it hurt yesterday. I'm like, okay, well, let's pray. Lord Jesus, Father, I pray that this guy's toe won't hurt. And I, I truly believe those prayers bring joy to God's heart. But there are times where we got to step back and say, God, you know what, God, this, my God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above anything I ask, think, or imagine according to the power that is at work with, with, within us. What power is that? The same power that rose Jesus from the grave. Who is that? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit isn't just in you to make you live a holy life for Jesus. He's in you to give you boldness. He's in you to give you power. He's in you. And, and the word where we get dynamite from is the same word found in Acts 1.8. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. It's dunamis power. It's dynamite power. It's powerful. Power. To pray big prayers. To take big steps of faith. To say, you know what? God is with me. God is empowering me. I don't know what's beyond this step, but I know I'm empowered by God. And I'm going to step anyways. And guess what? When the church gets to stepping, the enemy gets to running. He runs. He's afraid of us. But he wants to make us anemic. He wants to make us weak. He wants us, he, he, he wants us to not... Remember that God's outside the box and in us. That he wants us to think that God is abandoning us. That he's walked away from us. But that's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is alive and active in you. Paul's telling the church in 1 Corinthians that we read, don't go back to the old way of thinking. That you have to earn, earn, earn. But to put your trust in the resurrection of Christ and to walk in the power, come boldly before God. We don't have to. We don't have to walk in weakness. When you think about anemic people, 
and I'm sorry if you are anemic, but it's a blood disorder, and a lot of times they're weak. They just don't have the same power the rest of us have. And I'm passionate about this because we can't go another year anemic. We have to be bold. We have to remember that God is in us, God is for us, and God is empowering his church. And the last thought I want to leave you with, God not only wants to work on you, that's called sanctification, he'll continue to work on you, but God, he wants to work through us. God doesn't empower his church for someone else to do the work. This is a, this, um, if you don't have your still toes on yet, go ahead and lace them up. And I'm not doing this. I'm saying this because I love you. And I, I feel like I have to. But God's outside the box. And I'm not trying to be insulting. Um, if you are insulted, I'm sorry or offended, but your level of offendability is directly tied to your maturity. So once again, I'm sorry if I offended you. But um, it is what it is. Robert Madu says, so if you're easily offended, you're very immature. Uh, that's Robert Madu. I'm just quoting him. But for too long, we put too much emphasis on this area of a building. And I, I love the fact that our church is moving forward, that we have new people jumping on live groups. We have new people hosting live groups. We, we're seeing that. That's amazing. We got to keep doing that, though. We got to keep inviting people, our neighbors, our friends, our loved ones to our life groups to see discipleship happen, to see the love of God happen in their lives, and to see God wreck their lives and flip them upside down and turn them back for Him. It's going to be amazing. We got to keep doing that. But we also got to got to continue to shift our mindset that this area of the church is just as important as this area of the church. And that area of the church, 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 and that area of the church. It's, it's, it's not for us. It's not just for me. It's for all of us. God wants to work in us, and he wants to work through us. So, First Peter. I'm going to get away from Paul for a moment. Peter writes a letter... He writes two letters in the, in the New Testament. The Gospel of Mark is Peter's account, but is written by Mark. And he, he says something in 1 Peter 2.9. And in the Old Testament, and the, the apostles were working on this to change mindsets of the early church, to help people realize the weight of the gospel and their purpose in life. And so in the Old Testament, God tended to use three types of people regularly. And for a stint, he used judges. But for the most part, he used priests, prophets, and kings. And then for a stint in, in, in Israel's history, he used judges. And he would speak through the judges or the priest or the prophet or the king. And he would do things like that. And that's how he worked. And, and people, kings would come to the prophets and say, I need a word from God. And the prophet would go seek God and give a word to the king. 
And, or, the God, or sometimes God would directly tell the king, I need you to do this. Or God would speak to a priest, this is what I need you to do. But it was that kind of, that mentality that people would go to the priest, the people would go to the prophet, the people would go for a king for an answer from God. And, Paul, and Peter, in 1 Peter 2.9, he's, he's trying to reconcile. He's like, no, that's the old way of doing things. That, that old way is done and over with. Jesus completely fulfilled it. That contract is signed. It's voided because Jesus died on the cross. We're under a new contract with God, a new covenant with God through Jesus Christ. And it says in 1 Peter 2.9, it says, but you are not like that. For you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light through Jesus Christ. He's telling the church they are all a royal priesthood. They are all a holy nation. If you call on Jesus as Lord, you are part of the priesthood. You're part of it. It's not just a select group. We're all part of it now. And with that said, because you might say, well, I don't feel like a pastor. Well, when you really think about a pastor, what is a pastor's role? We, we get it mixed up. My role is to prepare you for the good works of the gospel. So my role is to get you to take responsibility for preaching the gospel outside these walls. And... So, but we, we, put, we put expectations on pastoring that aren't even in the Bible. Well, this is what the last pastor did. or well, You guys haven't done that to me, I'm just saying. But I've been a part of churches that have done that. And, and I, I, honestly, you guys have not done that to me. I, I want to say that. But you guys have been an amazing congregation. And you are an amazing congregation. But our role, you, me, and anyone who calls on Jesus as Lord is to understand God's not in a box and that God wants to work through us. He's empowering us, he's in us, and now he's working through us. So the fact that you called on Jesus as Lord means you're qualified to share the gospel. Well, man, I messed up last night. It doesn't matter. Is Jesus Lord of your life? Yeah? Okay, good. You're qualified. Because guess what? You don't get to disqualify you. I once heard Pastor John Lindell, he's a pastor of James River Church, say this. And I think is a very powerful thought, and some of us are going to need to chew on it. And I had to chew on it for a while. But it's a very powerful thought. But he said, if the law can't make you righteous, if keeping the law can't make you righteous, that means breaking the law doesn't make you unrighteous. Oh, what? What? Like, let me think about that. If, if keeping... The law doesn't make me righteous. Then breaking the law doesn't. I, I don't know. That kind of that feels like different than all the religion. I mean, um, church I grew up under. But you're saved through the righteousness of Christ. It's all on Jesus, and we got to reconcile that, and then realize that God wants to work through us. You're qualified. You're qualified because God is in you. Because God empowers you, and because God wants to work through you. You don't get to disqualify yourself for work in God's kingdom. You don't. Well, I'm, I'm not gifted in that area. 
Well, I have a lisp, and I'm holding a microphone. So let's, let, let's, let's talk about giftedness. I, you're like, now I can hear it. Thanks a lot, Ryan. It's all right. I've, I've reconciled it in my heart. I want you to think back, though. Just go on a journey with me for a moment. Think back to when you were saved. Think back to that moment. Like some of us, like, oh, that's a long time to think. <laughs> that's a long, long. But no, I, I, I need you to go through the files of your mind and find that moment when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Are you there? Remember that joy you felt? Remember, like, like you more than likely you were crying, right? But it wasn't like tears of sadness or anything like that. You were just so happy and joyful that you discovered this thing called grace, that God loves you so much. And you were like, oh my goodness, like God loves me. And you just gave, you decided to give your life to Jesus. And some of us, it happened probably at a, uh, in front of a stage, and the, uh, some dude, girl, whoever, gave an altar call, and you came forward, and you had that snot fest, and some of you, it might have happened, for me, it happened at a dinner table. I was very young. I think I was four or five. I, I remember, I, I, I just remember the joy like, I don't, rem like, that's like arguably one of my first memories, but I remember my mom leading me in a prayer and me realizing how much God loves me. You know what's interesting about every one of our stories? Maybe yours was driving down the road and you're by yourself and you're like, God, I got to quit running. It might not have been a simple prayer, but it might have been just, God, I got to give my life to you. And you've, you finally hit rock bottom to the point where, you know what? God still loves me. He's with me. He cares for me. But know what every one of these stories have in common for the most part. There was someone else that told you. There was someone else that led you. Even if you're by yourself, you had to hear the gospel somewhere. What if we recaptured that joy, that heart, and we realized I can provide that to someone else by just sharing, by letting God work through me? Because I think if all of us really take time to think about that moment, we would say that's probably one of the best memories of our life. It's one of the greatest gifts of our life. But so often, I can't speak for you, but sometimes we keep it. And God did not break himself out of a box to be kept a secret. He broke himself out of a box to put himself in his church, to empower his church, to work through his church, and to grow his church.
What if, what if I submitted to you that God wants to work through you just like that? Every one of us, he wants to work through you. And you might not ever lead anyone to the Lord, but you could be a part of their journey. You can encourage people. You can remind them how much God loves them. One man plants, another man waters, Paul says, but God gets the harvest. So don't be discouraged if you had a conversation about the Lord and they didn't accept Jesus. But I did everything right. I gave them the ABCs or the Romans Road or the Johannian Road or whatever you want to talk about. And they didn't accept Jesus Christ. They still didn't want him. Well, you can't make people. That's something only God can do. But man, we can say, man, God does love you. He has a purpose for you. And just by saying that, you're letting God work through you. Just having a simple conversation. Because God's not in this anymore. His presence is in us. His power is in us. And we need to realize that. Some of us need to pray big prayers again. We've lost the, the big prayer part of our faith. Well, I prayed for that for years, and I stopped. Why'd you stop? Well, it didn't happen. Okay. Why'd you stop? <laughs> I, would, I, would, I would argue that so often we always stop short when God's saying, just keep going. And you might not ever get the answer that you want, but it's the journey that makes the difference. If you learn to press into God, you might not even want what you're praying for. You might, you might get what you need. I would argue that you get what you need. Whenever you, we take time to press into God, you experience his presence like never before. Some of us have had God-sized dreams, and we forgot about them. And we think it's too late. Why? Why is it too late? Who told you that? Did God tell you that? Pretty sure if God gave you the dream and you're still alive, it's not too late. I truly believe that when we understand God outside the box and what that means, it's going to change the way we pray. It's going to change the way we walk. It's going to change the way we talk. And uh, you know what? I, I just I want us to pray. I want us to pray. I also want to open the door up for there's people here that have never accepted Jesus Christ. You've never just believed on him. That's the first step in allowing God to work in you. Because God wants to not just be with you. He's with you right now. He wants to be in you. He wants to empower you. And he wants to work through you. But if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm, I'm, I'm here and I would love to introduce you.
I want you to experience the joy that all of us experience. The reality is God loves you and he cares for you. And you can't get to heaven on your own, but God made a way for you. Maybe you're here today and you say, I just need to pray. I need to pray that God rekindles that power and that passion that I once had. That I don't know what happened to it. Life happened and different things happened, but I've kind of lost that passion I once had for God. And I, maybe you never had that passion for God. You've just kind of gone through the motions in this thing called Christianity. God wants to make and give you a passion for him. And that starts with prayer. I got, can I be honest? This morning, when I was writing this message, when I was writing this message, I was so fired up. Like I was just pumped about it. I was just, I was sitting there typing away. I was speaking in tongues. I was just, just man, I was just fired up about it. Like, man, this is what I needed. I needed to hear this. As I was typing it, I was preaching to myself. I was saying it out loud. But this morning I got up and I was like praying and seeking. And I just felt like, God, I need passion again. I didn't feel passion. Like I don't like to, I don't like to go through the motions. And I was kept praying, I kept praying, I kept pushing myself. My God, I need you. And I know that we don't go by our feelings. Feelings are a bad thing to base your life on. Because your feelings will deceive you. I know that God was with me. But I'm like, where is that passion I had when I was writing it? And so what I, what I made up in my mind to do today was... I'm going to pray and I'm going to praise until I know. I'm going to rekindle that passion in me. Because I am passionate about this. I want the church to be the church. Like not just our church, every church. We got to have revival in this land. People need to know Jesus. We need an outpouring of the Holy Spirit with physical evidence of speaking in tongues. We need that. Like, not just the church, the nation. But the thing is, sometimes you don't feel like it. But can I tell you, if you just press in when you don't feel like it, God will show up. And I I don't know, probably halfway through the second song, I just got this fire in my belly again. I don't know. I decide I'm going to worship God regardless of whether I feel anything or not because he's God and he's worthy of all my praise. So whether I feel anything at all this morning, I'm going to preach the word and I'm going to go after it. But let me tell you, God wants to rekindle fire in you. And maybe he was just giving me an example. I don't know. But I pressed in. I just told myself, I told Ames, I said, I need you to pray for me right in the middle of worship. And she started praying for me. And I said, God, I need you. I need you. And some of us need to pray that prayer. Say, God, rekindle in me. That passion that was there. See what happens. What what we're going to do is I'm going to just, I'm going to be up here. Amy's going to be up here. If you need prayer, I'm going to pray for you. 
But what I would encourage you to do is find a place. If you need to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to be up here. That's one decision that you will never regret. And as we pray, I think God is going to rekindle passion and fire in us. You might feel like, well, I'm too old. That doesn't matter. Moses was 100 and he had a kid. Anyone want to volunteer for that? I didn't think so. Not Moses, Abraham. But God's here. God wants to rekindle. Maybe you're not feeling anything right now. I would challenge you to press in to God. Don't go for the feeling. Go for God. And God will show up. So, in the meantime, let's stand. I always find that it's easier to respond to what God wants you to do when you're not on, when we're not on our derrieres. It's easier to move. It's easier to maybe God's want maybe God's been telling you like, hey, you need to go pray for that person, or you need to go pray over there in that corner, and you're like, oh, but man, I've been sitting in this seat for like. 30 minutes and it's kind of nice God I just got that spot warmed up God's like no 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 you need to move I think by standing that's probably our first act of faith alright now my legs are limber I'm ready to go we're gonna we're gonna worship Jesus but I would encourage you to respond if you feel that you need prayer for something or you need Jesus I'm gonna be up here my wife's gonna be up here maybe you just need a to pray. Maybe you just need to worship through it. That's what we're going to do today. Man, I'm glad. I'm glad that Jesus wants not only to be with me, but he, he, he sent his spirit down to live in me and to live in you. That he not only lives in us, but he empowers us to, to live a holy life he empowers us to pray big prayers. Man, I'm, I'm glad. And I'm also very humbled by the fact that he wants to work through us. Like, if you guys knew how messed up I was, and probably I was, if you knew how messed up I am, man, I'm humbled that God says, you know what, I saw you when when you were at your worst and I called you anyways. I think some of us need to hear that. I saw you when you were at your worst and God had a purpose for you anyways. And he wants to use you anyways. Because it's, once again, not about what you can do or what you can't do. It's about what Jesus did for you and what he can do through you. And I, I'm so glad that he gave us a great church right here at C1 to change Columbia and the surrounding communities. It, 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 we're going to start the snowball, okay? We're going to start praying big prayers for our community. We're going to start praying prayers like, God, should I, should I host a life group? I dare you to pray that. See what happens. And then you're going to start praying prayers. Should I invite my, my neighbor? Should, should, I, should I tell my, my, my family? 
How dare you pray that? Those are big prayers. See what happens. God's going to be like, yes and yes. Maybe he, maybe he might not. He's like, no, I don't want you to host a live group, but I do want you to be a greeter because, man, you're, you have a $10 million smile. But I dare you to pray, God, how do you want to use me? The answer is yes, God wants to use you. God wants to work through you is probably a better term. And God is going to start the snowball and it's going to start picking up people as we go. And there's going to be people in your life that you thought, there's no way. No, that's dealing in absolutes, but God is going to be like, just, just, just let me out of the box and you'll see that there is a way. There's, the, 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 those people that you thought, man, there's, they're, they're so lost. And God's like, just let me out the box. Let me out the box. Or God might, God, I, I, I almost guarantee that, that just by talking about dreams, some of us went back to stuff that we had in, in, in our teenage years or even like a 10 years ago. And you thought about it and you're like, huh. God's like, just let me out. Let me out. See what I can do. Just, just get the ball rolling. Get that snowball rolling downhill. See how big it can get. I think that's what's going to happen through December and 2021 and 2022 and 2023. And you know, God just wants to grow his church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. Father, I just thank you so much. I thank you for this church. I thank you for C1 Church. I thank you for the, the men and women of God that call it their home. And I thank you for those who, who are far from you that call it their home. I thank you, God, for the people that are not yet here that are going to call it their home. I thank you, God, that you empower us to do more than what we could ever imagine. That you work in us to see you do impossible things because you're an unstoppable God. And I pray, Father God, that today that you will start the process in our hearts of reacclimating how amazing you are that you will start the process in our hearts of realizing that you're not in a box anymore that you want to work in us and through us and lord i pray that you will just use us mightily to grow your kingdom to bless your people in your mighty name jesus i pray amen i love you guys have a blessed week